That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers. It's Groundhog, Groundhog Day. Day. And, and that's, that's your Friday, Friday Night Rewind. <laughs> it's cute. Friday Night. Friday Night. Rewind. Let's, Let's go. go. <laughs> okay, campers, rise and shine. And don't forget your booties because it's cold out there today. It's cold out there every day. What is this, Miami Beach? Not hardly. And you can expect hazardous travel later today with that, that, uh, that blizzard thing. That blizzard thing? That blizzard thing? Oh, here's the report. The National Weather Service is calling for a big blizzard thing. Yes, they are. There's another reason why today is especially exciting. Especially cold. Especially cold, okay. But the big question on everybody's lips. On their chapped lips. On their chapped lips. Do you think Phil is going to come out and see his shadow? Punxsutawney Phil. That's right, woodchucker chuckers. It's Groundhog Groundhog Day. (laughs) (laughs) Do you like that? I hope you like that. I like that. I'm Corey. And I'm Drew. And welcome to Friday Night Rewind. That was very welcome. like, hi, I'm I was like, Welcome back. To- <laughs> Can't <laughs> reference the old joke, Corey. Leave the jokes <laughs> in season one. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to season two. Welcome or- to 2024 as well. Oh, yes. I keep trying to write 2023 still. And in fact, I was trying to figure out why in Excel, something was saying it was Saturday when it was supposed to be Sunday. And I realized it was because I did. 2023 in in the cell in Excel instead of 2024. That's such an adult work problem, Corey. Yeah. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> that was probably the most boring way I could have opened this. <laughs> Welcome to season two. <laughs> and happy Groundhog Day, everyone. Yes. This was, we decided it was important to be able to fully celebrate this day with you all. So we wanted to watch the movie Groundhog Day. And watch it, we did. <laughs> I think we have the same opinion on it, Drew. What did you think of it? My just what I one sit my one sentence reaction, uh, as opposed to your typical one sentence summary. Uh, <laughs> my one sentence reaction, I hated it. Oh, Hated. That's a strong word. Wow. That's all I'm gonna say. That's my one. We can. We. I guess we'll. We can discuss reasonings later. Question mark. But that is all I got for you. Hated it. Wow. I'm just. I'm so shook by the strength of the word there. Crazy. It was probably my least favorite movie that we've done through this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I must say. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can respect that. Um, So Groundhog Day is a comedy from 1993. It has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is probably disappointing to you, Drew. (laughs) (laughs) You hate to hear it. And it actually has an 88% audience score on Groundhog Day. I don't understand. I do not understand this data. It is defined as a classic. Like, it is... People love this movie. Yes. Okay, Drew? And, and I can, I, my perception of it going into it, I 
well, okay, go ahead and set the stage if they haven't already, if the listeners have not already guessed. I was the one who hadn't not seen it before out of the two of us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But I did come in with the perception of it because it is like I was aware of what it was and like the storyline, at least generally, because it's referenced in a lot of the shows that I like, like in a lot of my science fiction shows, like The Flash, uh, like anywhere where time travels involved. It's at least there's at least a Groundhog Day episode somewhere in there where they're stuck in something. So I knew what it was going into it and had the perception of it as a classic going into it. So, I, yes. I think the concept of it, that storyline of being stuck in a time loop is the most like iconic part about the whole movie mm-hmm. so i could see why that is so referenced and why you knew of it and why mm-hmm. everyone always talks about it and this movie hasn't exactly been remade per se like like exactly right. on groundhog day but so many other things have used time loops like they're stuck in them or the concept of them like maybe for a tv show just for an episode for movies there was a movie that had like a couple that was stuck in a time loop but it was two people and they were reliving the same like sunny nice day but it was about more of their love developing than anything else like there's the concept has been done it's just not exactly the same but it's a very i think it's a very like iconic concept and that's Mm -hmm. why people love this movie so much yeah i would agree do you want to go over the history of just what groundhog day is period first sure sure yeah i know nothing about it only the only reference i wait you mean like you mean like groundhog day the holiday yes okay yes i don't have any reference in terms of groundhog day either like the rather the movie i'm very interested to hear about the history of the movie and as well as the holiday because the only reference i have of the holiday was it was when I well okay I guess this keys into a little bit of my nostalgia vibes for Groundhog Day but when I was growing mm-hmm. up in elementary school I had this assistant teacher who her birthday was Groundhog Day and mm-hmm. I would always bring pretzels in because she liked the pretzels I would bring for my lunch and oh like, I was like why I was pretzel? <laughs> I was a child <laughs> I knew she liked the pretzels so I would bring I gave her some pretzels as a present for Groundhog Day her birthday but that's my cute little story that is cute i was really trying to figure out how pretzels were tied to groundhog day but they're clearly miniature groundhogs Corey. i don't (laughs) understand why you don't see the connection for you it sounds like nostalgic groundhog day is pretzels do you have your pretzels today i do not if i thought of far enough ahead i probably could have but i do not audience please join us with your pretzels as we talk about (laughs) the history of groundhog day just the actual holiday that we celebrate in the united states So it's a German holiday or a German tradition, I should say, that was brought over to Pennsylvania. The tradition evolved into a myth that if the sun came out on Candlemas, a hedgehog would cast its shadow, predicting snow all the way into May. That has since morphed into a groundhog because in Pennsylvania, groundhogs are more common than hedgehogs. And from then on, the U.S. has practiced Groundhog Day. Obviously, we know it's a myth and that if the groundhog sees a shadow, it doesn't mean anything, but it's just a cute little way to do something for our dreary winter days. I think it gives people like a slight sense of something nice in the bleakness of winter because everybody always talks about how winter is so depressing 
people have a lot of seasonal depression during this time. Mm. So I think it's nice that we do have this tiny little like, that was cute. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. When I was in college, I worked at the church, remember? Yes. There was this woman who was a partitioner of the church. She was old. And when I say that, I think she was 90. Okay. One of my favorite people. Love old people. And for some reason, her tradition was to dress up crazy on Groundhog Day. What do you mean by crazy? Like she would put on like two skirts and a bunch of beads and like long mixed mess socks and like clothes that didn't match. And she had like these headband things that she would put in her hair that were like big, like people do at Christmas time. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. And like wore like fake glasses, like not like to look like glasses, but like the kinds that are like colored. Yeah. Like the lens is colored and big earrings and just like the most outrageous outfit you could think of, not a normal outfit, clearly a costume, almost like someone would wear for like a spirit wear deal at a school during like spirit week. And she would just walk around town like that day. And it was like the delight of everyone at that parish because (laughs) they were like, oh, did you see her? (laughs) <laughs> look at how she looks like and then you take a photo of her every year and like post it <laughs> i must say Corey, your outfit is not particularly crazy today so you're not no, showing out mm. i agree i think we missed out i think we should have dressed up and been eating pretzels this entire podcast we we done fucked up drew give me some time i'll get some pretzels <laughs> i'll get them <laughs> delivered to me so the movie groundhog day stars andy mcdowell bill murray And then the last person on the cast list that I want to bring up is Brian Doyle Murray. Um, I'm not sure if you knew this. Who's that? Who is that, you say? (laughs) (laughs) That is none other than Bill Murray's older brother. Who does he play? Do you remember during the scene when they're bringing out the groundhog and the man maybe he might be the mayor or something but he's announcing the groundhog and he has that very distinctive voice that's always with you are always with the voices in these Corey. you always say isn't his voice just or something like (laughs) the nicest voice i'm like i don't pay attention to that at all but okay okay now listen i wouldn't say his voice is attractive his voice is just iconic like i hear his voice and i recognize it immediately you did not i did not this man do you did you ever see frosty returns surely yeah i think so yeah it's like the newest frosty the one where like it was made years later and it's like a clearly different cartoon and like it's you know what i mean like it's modernized yeah Yeah. and it's okay it didn't it wasn't as good as the other frosty but anyways He's in that as like the bad guy. And that's where I know him from the most is like that little short, that little Frosty Returns thing. I heard his voice and I was like, that's the bad guy for Frosty Returns. (laughs) And so that's why I was like, who is this? And that's how I started looking into everything he's done. He is, I would argue, just as much as a famous actor almost as Bill Murray. Like he did quite well for himself. He does do a lot of voice acting. 
hence the voice, as I said. Mm, but he yeah. also does a lot of normal acting, and he was in a lot of Bill Murray's movies, interestingly enough. Bill Murray would usually be the main character or one of the main characters, and then Brian would be usually like a sideline character. But the fact that he's in those movies enough to be noted on the cast list says a lot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So is Bill Murray's brother. Do you remember the man I'm talking about in the movie? I wouldn't, again, would not have called him, picked him out as anyone super special or anything, but I do know, yes, I just flagged him as, I guess, the mayor is what I've flagged him as. Yeah, I assumed he was the mayor. Maybe they do announce what he is, but I don't remember. But yeah, he's the guy speaking during the announcement of the groundhog. And then, obviously, Bill Murray is our main character in Groundhog Day. Bill Murray is a lot more interesting than I realized. And his Wikipedia page, look, I highly encourage everyone to go read it because I could not justify reading everything on it to you all because that would have taken the entire podcast. But it's honestly worth the read. Like, you know what I recognized him from immediately? Like, as soon as I, I mm-hmm. did, like, I knew who Bill Murray was. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, knew, I knew some of the stuff he's done. But as soon as I saw him in the movie, do you know which role popped into my head immediately? Ghostbusters? No, I knew you were going to guess that, but no. Let me guess again. Hold on. I don't think you've seen Scrooged. I don't think you've seen Caddyshack. I know you haven't seen the National Lampoon's movies, so it wouldn't be that. He was in Zombieland, wasn't he? Have you seen that? I think so, yeah. I've seen pieces of that. Okay, so it's not that. I don't know. It's actually the movie is actually a strong candidate for this podcast. If you, especially if you haven't seen it, but I watched it a lot. I was obsessed with it as a child, and I used to quote it extensively when I was little. It's like probably my early one of my earliest movies that I can remember being obsessed with. It's not Once Upon a Christmas. No, it is Osmosis Jones. Oh my God! Yes, he is in that. <laughs> Yes, he's the dad. I love that movie. I love that movie. As soon as I saw him, I said, that's the dad from Osmosis Jones. Oh, my God. Do you know how much I love that movie? I watched that for the sixth, like, I think I was in sixth grade the first time I watched it, and I was obsessed. And then I couldn't find it anywhere for forever. And I think the last time I watched it was a couple years ago. And because I couldn't find it anywhere, I just pirated it for free. Oh my god, I still love that movie. I love that movie too. I watched it when I was like two years old. I would sit there, they made it on like VHS, and I would like rewind it and play it, and I would just quote it. There's a part where he gets hit in the face. (laughs) I used to kill me. Arguably Will Smith's best role as well. (laughs) It's not Will Smith. Yes, it is, isn't it? Is it? Or is it Chris Rock? I don't think so. I think it's Chris Rock. It's been a minute. Hang on. Yeah, it's Chris Rock. I'll be damned. Incorrect. I was incorrect. Okay, arguably Chris Rock's best role then. Absolutely. Do you, uh, uh, you must wh- have not. You must have not watched the TV show either, because they made a TV show out of it too. No. Mm, it was on Cartoon Network. Quality <sighs> TV show as well. Oh, damn! I did miss out. Fun fact: Then, since we're talking about it, do you know who else is in Osmosis Jones that was also in Groundhog Day? Who? His name is Chris Elliott. In Groundhog Day, he was the, I guess, the cameraman. Is that what you oh, call him? Larry? Yes, I yes. did know that. He's also in Osmosis Jones. 
because I the, my first note when I was watching it was, who is Larry? Actually, my first note was guy from Ghostbusters Jones. But then I saw Larry and I was like, who? What else does he play in? But yes. Wow. Let's move on to some fun facts about Mil- Bill Murray. Like I said, his Wikipedia is fascinating. I wish I could read it all for you all. Just go read it. It's well worth the read. I want to start with on September 21st in 1970, on Bill Murray's 20th birthday, the police arrested Murray at the Chicago O'Hare Airport for trying to smuggle 10 pounds of cannabis, which he had a leg... (laughs) Your face! Which he had allegedly intended to sell. It was discovered after Murray joked to a passenger next to him that he had packed a bomb in his luggage. Murray was convicted and sentenced to probation. Drew, that is just a taste of what is on his Wikipedia. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit more on him because this is pertinent to him as an actor. Quote, being very detached from the Hollywood scene, Murray does not have an agent or a manager and reportedly only fields offers for scripts and roles using a personal telephone number with a voicemail box that he checks infrequently. This practice has reportedly prevented him from participating in films such as Who Filmed Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Monsters, Inc., Squid Game and the Whale, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and Little Miss Sunshine. When asked about this practice, however, Murray seemed content with his inaccessibility, stating, it's not that hard. If you have a good script, that's what gets you involved. People say they can't find me. If you can write a good script, that's a lot harder than finding someone. I don't worry about it. It's not my problem. Also, Bill Murray has been known for his mood swings, and Dan Aykroyd calls him the Murricane because of his mood swings. And Murray has said of his reputation, quote, I remember a friend said to me a while back, you have a reputation. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, you have a reputation of being difficult to work with. But I only got that reputation from people I don't like working with or people who don't know how to work or what work is. There's a lot more on there. That's why I said Bill Murray is quite interesting. I was quite disappointed to honestly read this Wikipedia page, though, because he's a sleazebag. And I probably should have realized from the way he portrays characters. I'm not going to lie. Like, you don't know someone and, like, how they are just because they can act, right? Like, for example, there's a lot of actors that are iconic for playing villains. And they're the Mm. sweetest, kindest people. But there are also people who are the characters they also constantly portray. Yeah. And Bill Murray usually plays some asshole. And he sounds like an asshole. He's been accused of things like domestic violence. He also has been accused of, like, not sexual assault, but, like, being too handy, essentially, and doing Mm -hmm. slightly inappropriate things. and. Like I said, he is just like the whole like he doesn't get along with people. There's a lot. There's just a long list on his Wikipedia of all the people who have said he's difficult to work with and what they've said he's done to them while working with him. I don't know. I'm just disappointed because when I think of Bill Murray, I'm nostalgic for the movies I watched with Bill Murray as a kid. For example, Groundhog Day or Osmosis Jones or Caddyshack, etc. Or Scrooged, right? And it's more of just Bill Murray as like the character or the person 
that I'm nostalgic for most of the time, I would say. And now I'm disappointed. That's great. <laughs> Good start to the new season, Drew. <laughs> Positive start, Corey. We're really setting up, setting up the whole the tone very well. Drew, what do you think about Bill Murray? Not necessarily like of the things I said, but like when you think of Bill Murray, does nostalgia decay you? Not really. Like I said, it when I saw him physically, it took me to Ultimus Jones. So there's a little bit of nostalgic points for that. But besides that, no. I'm not emotionally attached to the man at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, I have a Ghostbusters poster on my living room wall. If that tells you anything about how I feel about Bill Murray. <laughs> to summarize Groundhog Day in one sentence. A man is stuck in a time loop on Groundhog Day until he becomes a better person and the universe lets him move forward again. I'm going to be honest with you. The summary I'm about to give for this movie is not much longer than that. <laughs> because... This movie is so, like, there is, honest to God, not a lot that happens. There is, but it's not a lot. Like, action-wise, quote-wise, like, nothing about this movie stood out while I was watching it as, like, oh, I need to play that line. I need to make sure I highlight this section because this really shows this thing. And I want to give the movie credit because it does address so many things it is a genuine commentary on mental illness people's like socioeconomic status being a good person and being kind what it really means to live in the mundane lives that we all have like it's genuinely addressing all of these issues but action wise and storyline wise just not a lot happened in my opinion. And I, I know that's probably going to be an unpopular opinion, hence the Rotten Tomatoes scores, right? Not what Drew would probably agree with me, but <laughs> I I just, I don't know. I was disappointed in it, watching it again. Well, and I will say, you just, we'll know for sure come the end, but just to catch the audience up, our, the third person on our team, Abby, commented the other day on the question the real question of our podcast is if we would ever agree on a movie and then Corey mentioned that we agreed on avalon but I- avalon still technically holds a place in my heart and even though you hated it i agreed it was it could have been better but this movie may be we're, that's how we're going to start the season off we are both in strong agreement on this movie it seems but we'll find out for sure through this commentary i would agree that i did like this movie this time around but i wouldn't say that i hate it i feel Ugh. like that's a very strong word drew uh, we'll see we'll see we'll see our movie opens with bill murray playing a character named phil and he is a meteorologist or a weatherman and we see him giving the weather report and he's funny he's charismatic right and we don't really know like that he's an asshole until the scene cuts like they're done filming that segment of the news and he starts yelling at everybody and being a dick and just harassing people at this time we also get introduced to apparently a new producer who is supposed to work directly with phil named rita they address that phil rita and larry are all going to go to Puxatawney, pennsylvania for the weekend i guess just for the day to go Mm, for the week for the weekend because they had to get a hotel room they're anticipating to be there for that no because they try to leave remember yeah but they had to book the hotel room when they got there 
because he throws a fit. He throws a hissy fit because she tried to book of him work. in that hotel. Yes. Or that well, motel. <laughs> I think I shouldn't have said the weekend. It was just supposed to be for the day because the intention was that he could, quote, get out of there as soon as possible, mm. basically. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. So they are originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And that's where he's originally filming his meteorologist report from. And then they're going over to Puxatawney for the day for filming the Groundhog Day segment. And then they are supposed to return after filming the Groundhog Day segment to Pittsburgh that evening. They mention here, and I want to point this out because it's like, I don't know why they put this in the movie, to be honest with you. But somebody asked Phil, are you sure you want to go film Groundhog Day? Like, so-and-so can do it. And he's like, no, I do it every year. If he hates it that much, why is he doing it? Like, give it up. Also, I know that it was relevant for him to go because the whole movie is based around this man who's an asshole who gets stuck in a time loop that becomes a better person because of the time loop. But do you see what I'm saying? Like, he genuinely why just... why would he go? Yeah. He has an out immediately within the first five minutes of the movie. He could have been like, yeah, I don't want to go this year. Yeah, so logic there. And on the, I think that's, it may just be something to do with it being his, like, I'd have to go back and listen to it to be sure. But I know that when they're driving up, I think it's Larry or Rita, one of them asks him something about his job. And he's like, this will be my, this will be my last. I'm thinking about leaving the station. This is my last mm-hmm. big thing. So maybe that's, his justification of he's gonna do this one last thing and then come back and leave maybe i don't know but yes i agree he did have an out he had an out if he wanted it it was there the other key thing that's important to know that they tell us pretty quickly into the movie is that there is bad weather coming but still the meteorologist is insisting that it is going to miss pittsburgh puxatawney like that it will not hit that area and that's important because he is wrong. That might just be the fate of the movie. It might be like he was correct. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the universe is like, in order to keep him trapped in Puxatani, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. anyway, as Drew mentioned, they drive over and we see a little clip of the drive over and we get to see more of how Phil is an asshole. And he talks about how people like this and people like that in the reference to Groundhog Day and then says, but people also like blood sausages and people are morons. So he genuinely, like, actively hates people and thinks everybody's stupid. And Rita, she's a very positive person, and she's trying very hard to like him, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think she wants to just believe he's having, like, a bad day or something. Phil and Larry genuinely do not get along, but it's, like, I almost at first thought it was a love-hate thing, like, that they actually did get along. But... Really, what it is, they've just learned how to work together, but they yeah. like don't like each other. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, and I agree. So then, when they get to Plexitani, as you mentioned, they're good. They go to a, I think it's just a hotel, and Phil is like, "Don't tell me you put me here, Rita. This place is a dive. Like I refuse to be here." And she's like, "Don't worry, I'm staying here. I booked you a bed and breakfast down the road." He's just dropping me off here first, which I thought was strange that. She had to stay in the hotel. Like, why couldn't she also be at the bed and breakfast? Mm-hmm. But maybe there wasn't enough rooms. Well, it's a bed fair. and breakfast. Was, right. But though I will say, it was a very large bed and breakfast. Like, when he was when he goes down there in the dining room. Yeah, there's a lot of people. 
I'm saying, I was like, dang, this place is pot. The building's relatively small. It's like a nice, it's a large size house, but there was a yeah. lot of people in there. And so also, true. did you do any digging in into your history of the movie on the filming location? No, I did not. Did because well, and I don't. I said surely not in my notes. But when I first saw the town, when they first drove into it, it reminded me of the town they filmed Back to the Future in. I did not. You didn't get, get that vibe. That. I like. No. I wrote it down. I was like, is I asked. I was like, surely not. But I, it might have just been the way that it was filmed and like the vibe since it's filmed at around the same time. I'd say probably, but that's just the vibe I got from it. Adds a bit more to my nostalgic points of it because it reminded me of Back to the Future. So it says that it was filmed in Woodstock as well as parts in Cary, Illinois and Hollywood, California. So it was not even filmed in Pennsylvania. <laughs> it makes sense. I can see that. But Woodstock is also in Illinois, by the way. So it sounds like they filmed majority in Illinois and then some in California and other parts of California. Back to the Future was filmed mostly in California, like all around California. So since you had me look up the filming of Groundhog Day and Woodstock and all that, the actual bed and breakfast is called the Cherry Tree Inn. And you can go stay in it. They're booked, obviously, for Groundhog Day. And there is genuine Groundhog Day celebrations in, in Woodstock, Illinois. Yeah. Oh. And do you want to hear them? So at 5.15, you got Groundhog Story Time. 6 p.m., welcoming of the Groundhog. 6.30 to 7.30, Groundhog Trivia. 7 p.m., Groundhog Day, the movie. Also at 7 p.m., Groundhog Day, prognostication. I don't know what that is. 7.30 p.m., drink to world peace. Cheers. <laughs> 7.30 a.m., Oh, this is my bad. Groundhog Day progn prognostication is at 7 a.m., not 7 p.m. And then a drink to world peace is at 7.30 a.m. And then the official Groundhog Day breakfast is 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. Walking tour of the filming site is at 10 a.m. Groundhog Day, the movie, again, iconic, right? Just like the movie, is at 12 p.m. Groundhog Day movie memorabilia and memories. It's just like an all-day thing for two days. Groundhog Day Dinner Dance, 6 p.m., just like the movie. Groundhog Day, the movie, again, 7 p.m. Cocktails with Willie, 7.30 p.m. Groundhog Day, the movie, again, 10 a.m. <laughs> Groundhog Tales, Storytelling with Jim May, 10 a.m. Groundhog Day Bags Tournament, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Walking Tour of the Filming Sites, 1 p.m., Groundhog Day Bingo, 4 p.m. Groundhog Day Pub Crawl, 6 p.m. Groundhog Day Pancake Breakfast, 8 a.m. Groundhog Day The Movie. Oh, my God. 10 a.m. Groundhog Day The Movie, 10 a.m. Walking Tour of the Filming Sites, 1 p.m. You've got a million and a half chances to watch the Groundhog Day The Movie a million and a half times in Woodstock, Illinois. At the Cherry Tree Inn Bed and Breakfast. You can live out Bill Murray's life. Do you think, what if, okay, what if the local radio stations play I Got You by they need to. They need 6 a.m. And they mm -hmm. open with the, like, same lines they open with in the movie. Phil has checked into his 
bed and breakfast, which is a real place you can stay at. And he stays the night there. The alarm goes off at 6 a.m. on the dot. Did you notice that the alarm was the kind that has like the flip for the numbers? Mm -hmm. That is old school clocks. Like even my parents didn't have that. They had the digital analog clocks. And actually, I think there was a movie we watched. I think maybe it wasn't when we watched on the podcast. There was a movie I watched recently, though, where the clock in the movie was my mom's exact alarm clock. And I was like, wow, interesting. But nobody has alarm clocks anymore. Because you don't need them. I have an alarm clock. And I say that because I have an Alexa next to my bed. So like she's an alarm clock. She shows the time and she'll wake me up. <laughs> I have an alarm clock, but I don't use it as a, for an alarm. I just it's like a bedside clock. So I can look and see what time it is in the middle of the night. But Yeah, but you don't have your phone next to you? No, I have to put it across the room. So that oh. I can get up and turn off the alarm. Look at you. I'm impressed because I don't have the strength to not sit there and watch TikTok for 500 hours before I fall asleep because, listen, I just... Oh, no, I do that too, but I leave a lamp on at my desk so that I have to get up and turn off the lamp before I go to sleep. And when I do that, I plug my phone in and let it charge across the room and have my alarm set so that I have to get up and go turn it off. Do you know there's an alarm clock nowadays that has wheels? So when it goes off, it will jump down and you have to go find it. I think I need that. (laughs) (laughs) I also think there's this alarm clock that's like a wristband, like a watch Mm. or like a Fitbit, but it's specifically an alarm clock and it shocks you. Oh, no. (laughs) I think I need that because I am the worst about waking up when I set my alarm. Like, I don't get up to the first alarm. I don't even get up to the second alarm. I get up to probably the fifth alarm. I have them set for every five minutes, if not sooner. You need to get the app that me and Abby use that makes you do either a math or a puzzle to turn it off. (laughs) No, the trauma. Imagine waking up and you have to do fucking math. Like I do oh, every morning. I do it every morning. Drew, I'm gonna vomit. <laughs> You're gonna make me throw up. I'm scared. <laughs> I can't. Here we go. Can't handle it. So Phil, the weatherman, <laughs> going back to what we should be talking about, is waking up at 6 a.m. and the song I Got You Babe by Sunny and Cher is playing, and then the cute little weatherman slash radio host talking about how it's cold but it's groundhog day or puxatani is playing phil starts talking to the radio as he gets up and washes his face and is starting to get ready for the day my only question during this time was isn't 6 a.m a little too late like it's clearly already bright outside mm-hmm. and i am pretty damn sure that it shouldn't have already been bright outside at 6 a.m. because of the time of year it is. But also, usually, they're out there early as hell to film the groundhog because they have to film it right as the sun is coming up and he's going to come out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just felt like 6 a.m. was the time he should be arriving on site, not getting up. Maybe it was supposed to be, but it's filled. That's true. They make a comment about, like, where have you been? You know what I mean? That's true. You also see all those TikToks of, maybe you don't, but I have like seen TikToks of weather reporters and about how they'll get up at like 2 or 3 a.m. to get ready to go to work and they're at work by like 3.30 or 4. Yeah, I can see that. 
So Phil gets going to get to work to film on site for Groundhog Day. On his way to work, he stops down initially in the bed and breakfast at the breakfast area, just takes coffee, has a quick little chit chat with the host of the bed and breakfast, goes out the door. I assume he's walking to the square. It's probably not that far from Mm. the square. Yeah. And he walks on his way. He runs into a man who knows him from high school who tries to sell him insurance. Phil basically brushes him off. And then after he steps off of a curb, there's like this break in the road and he steps straight into it and it's this giant puddle. So now his foot's all wet. And then he rolls up to the filming site of the Groundhog Day. And they're like, where have you been? And he's like saying some bullshit like he always does. And then they film the segment for Groundhog Day. And the initial segment that he films is actually quite good, I mm. think. It was professional. Yeah. It wasn't, like, necessarily rude or anything. It was just, it was very normal for a weatherman or news anchor. They film the groundhog coming out. And this is where I told you we have Brian Doyle Murray and his, mm. like, announcing of everything. And then Phil says he doesn't want to... After they filmed the after segment that the groundhog, I believe, did see his shadow because they're saying there's going to be more winter, right? Yeah. So they filmed that and Phil starts acting condescending and he refers to the groundhog as a rat, etc. Then he says he doesn't want to spend any more time than he has to in Puxatawney. He wants to go back home. So they pack up and leave immediately. On the way home, They get stuck just outside of Pittsburgh because the blizzard came through and they cannot get any further. So they have to turn around and go back to Puxatawney and spend the night in Puxatawney. Phil wakes up the next morning. And again, Sonny and Cher's I Got You Babe starts playing. And he hears the same dialogue he heard the day before. And he initially says, nice going, guys, playing the same tape again. Because he assumes it is a new day. Like, why would you not assume it's a new day, right? So then he starts to get up thinking, like, he doesn't have to be anywhere. And then he starts to realize this looks oddly familiar. All the people outside. He goes downstairs. Everything's the exact same. And he even asks the lady at the bed and breakfast, "Do you have you ever had deja vu? And she goes, I can ask the kitchen. It's probably the funniest line in the entire movie. Like, nothing else was that funny to me other than that line. I was like, I'm dead. But (laughs) essentially, he starts going through that day like, what the fuck is happening? Like, this is really strange. Like, I know I've lived this. I think part of him was battling, like, did I really live this? Did I dream this? Or did I, like, actually live this? And, like, why is this so familiar? And then he gets to a point later throughout the day as he's filming, like, he's supposed to film his Groundhog Day segment. He throws a fit. He's like, I already did this. I'm not doing it again. Like he knows for sure. He's like, I know I did this day. I know this existed. I know this happened. I'm not reliving it. So he goes to like a cafe, I think, diner. initially. The diner. Yeah. And he's telling her about how he's not going back to Pittsburgh because of the blizzard. And she's like, you said there wasn't going to be a blizzard. And he's like, no, there's going to be. And I believe they actually leave Rita and Larry trying to get back to Pittsburgh and he stays 
And over the next several days, repeating the same day of Groundhog Day, Phil starts to realize the day is just going to repeat no matter what he does. So why not do whatever he wants to do, right? So we see scenes of Phil going to a bar and getting drunk with people and then getting into a car and driving crazy and reckless and ending up in jail one night. We see scenes of Phil like wooing a woman to figure out everything she likes and doesn't like so that way he can get her to sleep with him like he'll say all the right things we see scenes of phil doing just all sorts of little whatever he wants to do with life kind of things at some point phil starts to have feelings for rita and decides he wants to okay wait on that note it is at some point he decides that he has feelings it's when he's like Trying about to, be to with hook that other up girl. with Nancy, and he calls yes. her Rita. I was like, at what point did we establish that he had feelings for Rita? Because he said it like he's been in love with her. Like the way he acts is like he's had a crush on her forever. Yes, but at no point, at no other point, did he show even the slightest interest in her at all. That was also, my. That was one of my beginning issues with the whole thing. Didn't he tell Nancy, like, when he said Rita the first time, he wasn't he like, I'm just in love with you or something like that. I want to marry yeah. you or some shit. Mm-hmm. Why did that fucking work? Like, I'm like, you, you said Rita and I'm not Rita. So clearly you want to marry Rita. But maybe that's just me. Now, I'm not saying she wouldn't still hook up with him. I guess if she really wanted to, she could. But like, I wouldn't believe that shit. I'd be like, you said Rita. And then he says Rita again. And he's like, yeah, whatever. When she's like, Nancy. Like, yeah. So I agree. It did come out of left field. But what I always assumed was that he thought she was pretty. Mm. And that he just continued to like think she was pretty. And she's a constant. Everybody's a constant because it's the same day over and over again in the same place. But I feel like Rita was more of a constant because she was there before this day. Mm-hmm. by like a day <laughs> and I think he thinks she's pretty that's what I took it as so then he was like because if you notice the next thing he does is try to get Rita to sleep with him yes and I was I said I quoted I, said, I just really don't like him through this whole Rita plot line that he tries to go under yes yes I agree because he relives the day over and over again until he says all the right things and continues to say all the right things until we see a scene when he gets her back to his room and he's mm-hmm. trying to get her to sleep with him. And this is, again, why I said, I don't know that he's, like, in love with her or has a crush on her. I think he just is like, I want to sleep with her. I think she's pretty. Because what he's doing is using her, trying to get her to sleep with him. It's mm-hmm. not like a crush thing or a love. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I agree it kind of came out of left field, but because if you just look at it in like the light of he just genuinely is like, she's pretty. I don't know. I feel like it's justifiable. And that whole scene where they go back to his bed and breakfast, his room or whatever. Yes. It was giving baby it's cold outside energy. The entire time I was thinking of that when that whole scene when she's trying to leave and he's like, just stay. Like I was yeah. playing in my head the entire time. Yeah. Also, he says to her, I in that scene, I'm in love with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Now here is where, yes. Okay. I thought we just wanted to sleep with her. Now you're saying you're in love with her, but again, okay. Keep in mind, he has been spending all this time getting to know her inside and out. So he could say all the right Right. things. Like in all fairness, at this point, it's entirely possible that he could be very into her and has developed a serious crush on her at this point. Right. Okay. But personally, in this scene where he's like, I'm in love with you. I know you like this and you don't like this and starts listing this shit. And she's like, what is this? Blah, blah, blah. And then slaps him and leaves. She kind of just writes it off as like, you are just saying everything I want to hear so that you'll sleep with me. That's not what I would have thought. Immediately, I was like, actually, he's acting like a fucking stalker. Absolutely. Especially given her, like, perspective in that scene. She met this man two days ago, well, met this man two days ago, and he was a jerk on the way up to the car ride. And then suddenly, within, like, 12 hours, he knows yes! every single thing about her. I would even I even knowing that when he was like, I want to marry you, I don't know, all this, I was like, hold on. <laughs> this is no. Yes. So. And then he's like wondering why this is blowing up in his face but like to your like exactly he literally genuinely the day before was a straight asshole awful talked about how everyone's a moron and he hates everybody maybe she was gonna write it off as like it was a bad day Mm -hmm. okay but i guarantee you larry was like oh yeah he's always like this like larry was like telling her shit about him because that's how people are like when there's someone who's difficult and you like this person and they're the new person in the workplace you correct them if someone's a little funny you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Larry was like, hey, don't worry about anything he says. Like, he's just like that. Like, he just does what he wants. Like, just ignore him, blah, blah. And Rita probably was saying some shit like, it's okay. I can work with him, blah, blah. Right? She knew he's an asshole. So for the next day, for him to be like super sweet. And then again, like you said, know everything about her. It's giving stalker. It's giving... <laughs> And he is stalking her. Like, he is? he is. Like, I understand he's asking her these questions, but she doesn't know he's asking her these questions. So he's acquiring this information without her knowledge. It's stalkerish. It is so stalkerish. I hate it. So, anyways, <laughs> there's a scene when he's right before all that happens, by the way, that they're at a bar and she says that she always likes to drink to world peace which is why there's the toast to world peace on that groundhog day website i just want to throw that in there just in case anybody was confused about that but every single night that they end the night where phil is trying to sleep with rita she slaps him and leaves every night without fail there's never a night where he gets it correct enough to sleep with him and i think that's because fundamentally rita just doesn't want to sleep with someone she doesn't know like that and i 100 agree like it it at that point when she's slapping him and all that type of stuff i had a feeling that like their little love story was going to be a prom part of this but in all that scenes you're seeing that like or even okay this raises a whole okay a, a, a discussion more for later but the like you're seeing they're incompatible as it stands, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Him, even as he's like every step along the way, he does something wrong. He's there's something like him to his core is just incompatible with her. And that's fine. That's OK. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Like, OK, great. Move on. But that's what it's showing in that is that they're just incompatible. So mm-hmm. I'm going to finish the rest of that opinion once we cover the end of the movie. But let's just I want to have that stated right now. I agree. I do think they're compatible. Phil has some character development that, as you said, we'll get through as we get to the end of the movie. 
I think the character development will remain with him for the rest of his life. But I think that they're still fundamentally different at their core. And to what I was saying earlier, Rita just does not want to sleep with him. Like she, it's not necessarily because she doesn't think he's attractive or anything like that. She just seems like the kind of person that's like, like I'm just not going to sleep with my coworker slash like, I don't know what exactly. The talent. Yeah, she's not going to sleep with the talent. So a workplace person, she's not going to sleep with them on the second day she knows them slash on the first day that they maybe are on a date. She's just Mm -hmm. not like that. And who can blame her, right? Now for Phil, I want to point this out because I Googled it because I did try to figure out how many days is he in the loop? It is not known. There is not an official stated number. But there was one article I read that tried to tally it up, and they got up to at least 452 days, but they estimated there were more. So for Phil, he's been chilling with Rita for months now. So for him, this is not the second day. For Rita, it's always the second day. But for him, for all he knows, he's been with her for like 9, 12 months, and what's him, they're like in a whole ass relationship and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. But ultimately, they are fundamentally different people. And every single night, he gets trying to get her to sleep with him. She just slaps him and leaves. Phil ultimately gives up on this, finally, after God knows how many times. And decides, like, there's nothing really that great left in life. What is he living for? And he hints at this when he's in the bar drinking with those guys right before he gets arrested. Mm. Because he talks about how, how would it feel to basically like, could you imagine living the same day over and over again with no little to no difference? And the one drunk guy says, sounds like my life. Not to him. He's not stuck in a time loop. It's just mundane life just like that. And that's mm. why I said this is a good commentary on what it's like to just live life right and like be stuck in a situation or a scenario that's like the same thing in and out like all the time like and I've talked with friends before about trying to find joy in the mundane and there is a lot to be said for I feel like I'm wasting my life and I'm not doing what I want to do with it but there's also a lot to be said for like at some point even if you're doing the perfect life you're living your dream there's going to be something mundane about it and you're going to have to find joy in that So it's a very interesting balance. And unfortunately, I think the majority of people are not living their dream life and therefore are living like this hellish, like same day in and out. I hate my life kind of day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially small town people. No offense, Drew. (laughs) A lot of small town people feel stuck in the town they're at and they don't feel like they can escape and sometimes economically like they just cannot like they don't have the ability they don't have the money to go anywhere else yeah. and they may have kids they may have something else that keeps them in that town that they have to stay for it's the same thing that you see people do in movies all the time where this like person wants to go to the big city to be a star and they can't for whatever reason it's a very mm-hmm. common like hallmarky movie how do you feel about that sentiment as a small town person as a small town boy like me, um, <laughs> that was a country song actually a reference. You don't know that, but <laughs> no, yeah, I asked. the similarities were there, especially if you're. And it goes to his own. 
goes to Phil's whole philosophy on the town itself. He, it's implied from the jump, he hates the town because it's small. There's no one important mm-hmm. in it. And it goes to his whole journey of self-discovery, or not really self-discovery, more like humanity discovery. But, yeah. <laughs> but it goes into whole that, all of that. And I have more thoughts, again, on it at the end. I'm going to try to do better at keeping my full opinion vibes until we have all the information covered here. So I have more vibes on it that will come later. But go on. Okay. I also want to point out, I just noticed you're wearing a Kentucky shirt. I'm also yes, wearing a Kentucky shirt. I have legitimate reason, as I am currently in Kentucky. Core, you're just fake. And <laughs> another state ripping another am, one. <laughs> I am not. We have discussed how I feel like I'm more Kentucky than you because I have cowgirl boots and you do karate. Do you remember which Abby was like, Corey, what does that have to do with Kentucky? Yes, everyone <laughs> was like, what does that have to do with Kentucky? Listen, you would understand if you're from Kentucky. I am from Kentucky. Girl, we're gonna go back to this on-site shit. <laughs> One of the days when Phil decides that he's done, he's giving up in the mundane. He can't get what he wants out of Rita. He doesn't see a point to anything else. He says to himself, I want to end this time loop. And he decides the best or only way to do that now is to kill himself. And this is really it's meant to be funny. It's a comedy. Mm. Mm. okay and it was slightly funny okay but it's also like a dark turn yes dark turn yes and i feel like for most people it's gonna be like what (laughs) like i feel like for most people who've never seen this before you can tell me what you thought but like if you've never seen this movie before and you're watching this as an adult it's not a logical jump necessarily it might be it might be because you have to understand where he's at with it he is that like there is nothing left else to live for hence why so this is also a commentary on mental health and depression etc but like if you're just thinking like he's not getting what he wants like other than him not being able to sleep with rita there's no other general sign that he feels like there's nothing left to live for until suddenly he's like yeah it doesn't matter what i do anymore so the first time he tries to kill himself It's probably the funniest one because he just completely like goes crazy. Mm -hmm. He steals the groundhog. He gets into a truck that he steals and is letting the groundhog drive the truck essentially with quotes on that and is running amok. Then goes to what I think is like a quarry or could just be Mm -hmm. like a mining site. Usually quarries have water though and there was no water. So I don't know. He goes somewhere that's a construction, mining, quarry, something, mm-hmm. and drives over the cliff with the groundhog and dies. And I will give him it's groundhog day that he's stuck on. It kind of would make sense to kill the groundhog too, because you might think it's tied, right? So I kind of see why he was like, I'm going to take the groundhog and we'll end this together. <laughs> I kind of get it. He wakes up again. It doesn't work. So he continues to try to kill himself for days over and over again. And he does it lots of different ways. And again, they do it in a way that's funny. You're looking at me like you didn't think go on. it was no, funny. No, no, go on, go on. He proceeds to do all these different ways to die. 
And eventually, he gets it through his head that it's not working. And we get to this scene where he's in the diner eating everything he possibly could want to eat. And he starts telling Rita he's a god. Mm. Which I thought this was a hot hot take. And I was like, I could appreciate this this lot of reasoning that he's about to take her on as he tries to convince her. Yes, it was impressive, I, I gotta say. That's creative. I agree. So what were you going to say when you said go on and I said that you're looking at me like it wasn't funny? Oh, no. I was just thinking of the, there's this song that my cousin's obsessed with. Uh, and it was also a TikTok trend, Dumb Ways to Die. Oh, yes. I was thinking about that, too. <laughs> In this diner, he orders all this food, etc. And he's telling Rita, like, she's like, aren't you worried about your health? Why are you eating like that? Which, girl... I don't know. I just think, would she really say that? Like, I feel like they just wanted her to say that. Yeah, especially after just one meal. Like, it'd be, it'd be one thing if she consistently saw him eating, like, trashy for whatever. But, again, in her perspective, this is the day after they just filmed the groundhog thing. And he's in the cafe eating a bunch of junk food. Also, she just doesn't seem like that kind of person. I don't know. Maybe she is. <laughs> I don't know her. Not like Phil knows her. He tells her he's a god because he knows everything. He's died a million different ways, and he tells her all the way he's died. And he starts walking around the diner telling her everything about everybody. And he's like, somebody's going to drop a tray, this and this, and starts to, like, tell her everything that's going to happen. And she's like, you're not a god, right? But, yes, to your point, it is an interesting line of reasoning. I don't know what it's like to be in a time loop i don't know that i would have gone as far as to say i'm a god Mm. i would have probably been like something's happening to me but maybe once you hit the point where you can't die you're always going to wake up maybe that sort of starts to settle in a bit who's to say also there's a quote here that said something along the lines of maybe a god is just Somebody that's lived a long time or something like that. Do you know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I can't think of the wording either, but yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Let me find that exact quote because it is interesting to think about it like that. Maybe the real God uses tricks. Maybe he's not omnipotent. He's just been around so long. He knows everything. Like the concept is that God has just been around so long. He knows everything. It's not necessarily that. I don't know. It's just an interesting way to think about it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah, I agree. And when you put it like that, it makes God not like a God. It also just makes God like, how do I, like, where was I going with that? Like, I had a good thought. And it related to Doctor Who, of course. Naturally. But the concept I guess I'm trying to go for is if something that's just been around the block for a long time, or somebody or some being is what makes a God, it just... The idea that somebody is, quote, playing God then becomes obsolete because they would be then a God. But that would also make all old people, for humans at least, gods because they could be 90 and seen a whole lot of shit. Honest to God, think about the people, think about our grandparents or who are slightly older than our grandparents. They're still around at this point. They lived through potentially two world wars. They saw a lot of other wars. They lived through several different types of economic up and down in the United States from the literal Great Depression to Mm. the recession in 1970 to another recession that happened in uh, the dot-com bubble and then the 2008 recession. Like they, They have seen so much 
and lived through so much and gone through so much life that in theory, they know a lot. They could be a god. But if you put it like that, if someone who's 90 wants to play god, they would be allowed to because the concept of what god is becomes obsolete. Do you see what I'm trying to say? My point is, I just don't like that idea. It's an interesting idea. It's an interesting way to think about it. I don't personally like it because then it still gives somebody who is not me the ability to make choices for me. Does that make sense? Yes. And I think it's wrong to do that. Like, I think it's wrong to play God. So in that case, in that line of logic, Phil's interpretation is accurate by that line of logic because he is playing with their lives. Oh, yes. At that point. Especially oh, at the yes. end. Yes. He is using so, them to his benefit every single time. Just like vampires and vampire diaries. Oh. <laughs> that was a little bit of a stretch, but okay. No. Damon said that. Like, they mind you with whatever I please. That is correct. That is how Phil is behaving. Well, yes, but I'm thinking more of the stance of that when he finally turns to the side of good or whatever and starts doing everything, like manipulating everyone in a positive way, is that still good or bad? Or because the in movie, the way the movie logic. goes, yes, following your logic, because the way the movie goes, we'll get to that in a second, but he, he's not released until he's manipulating them in a positive way, until he's done good. So the movie wants you to believe that is the end goal of what he's supposed to be doing. When you ask that kind of question, I understand what you're trying to say. And that is the flaw in my argument, because you have to remember when you use the connotation, you cannot play God. Mm. It is always the negative. It is never right. the positive because it always pertains around doing something bad to people and especially deciding who lives and dies. So when you say, okay, he's playing God by doing all the nice things, he's manipulating them in a good way, is that okay? I don't know. My argument falls apart because it's just not necessarily built to be used like that. Most of the time it is the negative connotation of manipulating people into doing bad things and killing them. He doesn't outright kill anyone other than himself this entire movie, which I think is interesting because... If you knew everything would just reset, you could try it once. But I think they didn't want to put that in mm -hmm. because I think that would change Phil's character in a much too far way. You know what I'm saying? I think they could have had it be like an accident. Yeah. Which I guess an argument can be said about the cop scene. Yeah. That you referenced. Yeah. Where he's arrested. Yes. He does some stuff there that could have ended in... Someone getting oh, yeah. hurt. He so. absolutely could have killed those two guys in the car with him when he was driving on the railroad tracks. I was going more for the cops, but yes. Or the cops, too. He could have killed them, too. But yes, he absolutely could have killed anyone in that scenario. And it would have been unintentional, but not unintentional. Because he was just being reckless on purpose to be reckless. But it wasn't mm -hmm. his idea. It was like, I want these people to die. Well, I don't really have an answer for you because, like I said, when you think about playing god you think about it in the negative right and you're always referring to it in this the concept of bad manipulation and who lives and dies and when you think about all the nice things you've ever done for somebody not necessarily the same person just like maybe you've done something nice for a stranger are you playing god you don't necessarily have the opportunity to do the same thing for the same stranger every day mm. 
And at some point, would you still continue to do the same thing for the same stranger every day? At some point, that person wouldn't be a stranger anymore, right? That's why I said this is a good commentary movie. Bill, after his little, like, I'm a god, blah, blah, blah speech, the way that a summary I read was written was that when Phil decides to stop looking at himself, he decides to focus on everybody else. And I think that was an interesting way to put it because when you're watching the movie, it just almost seems like, okay, why is he starting to do these nice things for people? You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There's one person in particular that, that he helped for a couple days that's really sad. And I really wish they had done more with this than they did. It's the homeless man. Yeah, so the old man, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the homeless man is someone we've seen the whole entire movie. Every morning, Sil would walk by him and brush him off until around this point. When he grabs him, he takes him to the diner, he gives him food, he spends a day with him. But every night, the homeless man dies. Sometimes in the hospital, sometimes on the street. And every night, Phil is trying to save him. And there's a scene where the nurse, he's asking her, is there nothing else you can do? Please do something else. And she's like, sometimes people just die. And he continues to try and save him. And then you see the final scene of him with this homeless man is when they're on the street. He's trying to give him CPR and he just stops. And I think at that moment for him, he's finally settling into there is nothing I could do to prevent this from happening. This is going to happen on this day, no matter what I do. Which the reason I say I wish they had done more with this was because we see that he's gotten fond of this old man. But there is genuinely something that should be tying Phil to this man now at this point. Like, he knows this guy. He's spent a lot of time with him. He's having to mm -hmm. watch him die every single day now. And they honestly could have ended the movie with him just making a point to spend his entire day with this man. To have this man have somebody to die with. Because that's a right. thing. People need people to die with. Like, there are people in this world who have no one to die with. And there are people who volunteer specifically just to go and sit with somebody who's dying so they don't die alone. Mm. But the movie doesn't do that. This is my first big issue with this movie, is the movie moves on to the other ways that Phil helps other people. And we never see the homeless man again. Mm -hmm. So does the homeless man die alone now? Or does Phil set up a way for him to die with somebody? Does Phil still take him to like, somebody to take care of him for the day every morning or is the homeless man just going to die alone because phil couldn't save him and we don't know the answer to that but i think to your point of wish they had done more with it i don't think they could have because then phil accepts he can't do anything for the old man but why is it just the old man that he can't help like it becomes that question of why like that would be something they would have to address if they focus any more on it which they still they could have everyone else he catches the kid that falls out of the tree he does he affects all these other people's lives why can't he help him yes to the nurse's point sometimes people just die and yes but if you follow like i feel like there's a flaw in the logic of the movie there because he finds a way to help everyone else so why can't he help this man like in some way i agree i think the main thing you remember when we watched Watch the pot of Christmas. <laughs> yes, the holiday classic. Go on. And they talked about in the basement, the kids talked about how he asked his dad why people die. And mm. the dad said, I don't know. Right. And they made a comment about how even adults don't know why people die. 
Mm-hmm. To answer that question would explain why people die. Yeah. If he has to explain why he can't, why he can save, why he can't save the homeless man, or why he could save the homeless man, would answer the question of why people have to die. And they mm-hmm. can't answer that. The answer is fundamentally that we are just mortal beings that our bodies do not last forever, and therefore we have to die. But beyond that, there is no answer. And we always feel like why when it's not necessarily a question of why it's a question of, or not even a question. It's just the concept of like, it is so heartbreaking to have someone so important in your life or even not even that important, but you still knew and you were fond of that was like a thing or a presence in your life that is just suddenly never going to be there again. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's the same concept as breaking up with someone, having an ex-best friend, except it's worse because it is final. There is no ever potential again. And all of that is always going to be sad. It's always going to hurt. And that's, I think, why we're asking why so much. And nobody can answer that. There's another question that does not have an answer that I will bring up when we reach the end of the movie. Again, it's a commentary. There's probably a lot of questions we can't answer. For me, when they said, okay, we're not going to be able to explain why people have to die. I got it, right? That's nobody knows that's why i said the next best thing is taking care of him on his last day that's all you can do that's what people do every day now anyway like when somebody's dying you're supposed to take care of them through the last few days or hours or whatever they have left of their life right Mm -hmm. to make them as comfortable as possible make sure they're not alone etc that's what is ideal right that's a very fundamental i think something that phil would have learned which is why I say I have such an issue with the fact that we never see the homeless man again. Mm-hmm. Because I want to think he's going to set something up every morning for him to where he's not alone or where he's taken care of. But we don't know. And that should have had a bigger impact in the movie. Because his perfect day is the last day we see him live with Groundhog Day, right? Mm-hmm. Should have included something for the homeless man. Yes. I agree. And that's why I have an issue with it. Because yes, like you said, why can he help some people when the others? And that's the other thing is like he has to pick and choose who he's helping. And again, to your point, who says he gets to play God and manipulate certain people in a positive way? Why does he get to choose? But maybe he's not choosing. Maybe after living this life however many days, he has seen every possible way that he can or can't help something. Yeah, And maybe he has figured out who he physically just can't do anything for. And maybe that was the main point of the homeless man was like, there are going to be people in this world that you just can't do something for, but you could still do something. Cause that's right. my point with the homeless man. You can't make him live, yeah. but you can make him comfortable. He gave him a warm meal. He spent time with him. But only that once. Cause then when it resets and that never happened for the old man, like Phil got to experience it. But if he, if we don't see him doing that every single time, like you, like we don't see an action that he's done for him at some point. Like, we don't know if he's repeating it. So he could have just done that whole experience and then just went back to just not ever meeting him again. And the old man will never see that or never have felt that even though Phil's learned from it, the old man will never see it again. Correct. My issue with it, correct. That is exactly my issue with it. Mm. Because the final day is the day that sticks. That's what everybody will take with them for the rest of their life. And that's why that's eventually what gets him out of the time loop is because of how kind he is to everybody. He spends that entire day running around town, helping everyone he can in every way possible. He saved the kid from a tree. He changes the tire for some old ladies. He helps a couple fix their relationship, et cetera. At some point along the way, he took lessons and learned some extra things, did some hobbies, and he learned piano. So that night at the Groundhog Day dance they have, he's playing piano. 
I don't know if it was because he just wanted to learn piano and then decided, hey, I can help you guys. Or if we're supposed to assume somebody called in and he said, I can play piano, I'll step in. I would imagine we're supposed to assume they just needed someone to play piano because that whole day has been him helping, not doing anything for himself. You know what I'm saying? Right. That whole day has been selfless. The other interesting thing to me that I did like that they did is that his perfect day was him not focusing on Rita at all. No, like anything to do with Rita to the point where Rita is watching all this and she's like, who the fuck are you? What are you doing? Like, where have you, where did this come from? Like, how do all these people know you? Just all this other shit. You talk about how much you hate Puxatani and then all of a sudden everybody here knows you and loves you and she's in awe. And she's, okay, maybe I could, like, get down with this guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, right. he, he and I could get along. Like, we could be okay. And she wants to spend time with him. So then they auction off, like they usually do on Valentine's Day. This yeah. is the season, right? It's February. They auction off men, and they put Phil up there. And he charges a pretty penny because all the ladies around town want him since he's been super helpful, especially those old ladies that he changed the tires for. Yeah. They were like, he could get it. <laughs> So Rita wins him because she buys him and they spend a nice little evening together. And on that final day, he goes to sleep next to her. Nothing happens and wakes up the next morning and it's a new day. And he's shocked because he wakes up with somebody in bed with him and he's like, hold on, something's different. And he is beyond excited and happy because he's finally broken the time loop. And we are to assume he and Rita are going to be a couple. They're going to get together eventually. And that Phil now has a much better outlook on life. It's a much better person and will continue to be a better person. The end. Well, and also there's the comment that he makes of that they should move there and live in the town. Oh, yes. Yes. Which they could. Because now he's very fond of those people Mm -hmm. because he spent so much time with them. Drew, go ahead. You, you said there were things you want to say at the end. Okay. Now, my list of issues with the movie, most right. of which stem back to the fact that he... Okay, actually, there's a couple of different ways. So, Phil himself as a character. We are set up to hate him at the beginning. Yeah. Because he's a jerk. Yeah. By the end of it, I still do not like him. I thought you were going to say I still hate him. <laughs> I had started to say that, but then I was, let me correct myself. I still do not like this man. Yes, there's growth. You can assume that there is just because of the way he acts. But we don't really see that until the very end. Like, we see them learn lessons. We see all the stuff that he goes through. Yes. But, like, it doesn't feel like he's changed. It feels like he's just living the perfect day out. Like, you don't see the motivation behind it that has changed. I'm sure it has. But you don't really see that. Who's to say the next day, now that he's out, he's not going to just go back to his ways. Like we don't really see that much of a development from him. So if the point uh-huh. of the movie is to watch him to be, become a better person, uh-huh. I don't think that it accomplished its job. Uh-huh. Secondly, the whole like plot line of the movie, I guess the problem of it, they never, which it's fine, like they don't have to, but they never tell you why any of this happens and that Mm. irks me like you don't know Mm. why he gets stuck in the loop you don't know why it's happening to him you don't know why it's in this town you don't know the timing of anything why this day how does he get out you don't have an answer to any of these questions Mm. that irks me number two (laughs) and which is fine that's a take like you could there are movies that aren't that those questions like that aren't answered Mm-hmm. and some people like those movies it's more thought-provoking we've had a whole discussion on a lot more of this movie than we 
typically have other movies. I just, in terms of a story, if it just been some degree of why he gets out, I would have felt a lot better about it. Like I can understand maybe we don't understand how it happens to begin with, but like I, like I said, I knew going into it, there's going to be a time loop. I want rules as to why, <laughs> how this is possible. I don't care if it's magic. I don't care. That's fine. You can tell me that. I'll live with that. But I need some reasoning as to how this man gets breaks this loop. Okay, let's assume it's because he finally is able to help. Like it's, he has his perfect day. He's finally focusing on people other than himself. So let's say he missed the kid in the tree. Would he have repeated this day again and just mm. miss? And he would, he would that have kept him from getting out if he had missed the mm. kid in the tree? And then mm. if it did, who's deciding? what's good enough to get him out like mm. that it's all these things that he did to get him out who's decide what's the decision that what goal is he striving for i need answers to this question people mm. uh. and That's then, and then <laughs> you have the whole rita love story as i mm-hmm. said before it is established they are incompatible to their cores pretty much we're just to assume that she sees him like do all these nice things for people and that makes everything okay. The way that he treated them up before to that day makes everything okay. That she's liable to spend, yet spend the night, but not like in a hookup way. But they spend the night together and then potentially move into this town together after all this has gone through. We see her hopes and dreams. He knows her hopes and dreams. And they are more than likely not going to be realized in this town. Also, she just started this, this new producer. He's lived out his life in this as a weatherman. He can move to this city. She's just going to up and leave the job and place she just started to follow him to uh, this small city in Pennsylvania. But also... It was it was the 80s. No, sorry, the 90s. Women still did that in the 90s. But fair anyways... Enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Back to my tirade. My last point was the love story aspect of it. I don't see it happening that way, like that nicely as to where... okay back up that leaves another aspect of maybe the point was for him to finally i don't know earn rita's affection because he does get hurt like we we learned back when he first tried to get with rita that he thought his goal was to get with rita and maybe that's what would break him free he does do that in the end they spend the night together and then he does wake up and he breaks it is that what it was is that what did it the first thing I want to say is you are a math guy. Yes. And math yes. has rules. Yes. And I also say it's a very engineering. There's this other podcast I listen to of uh, it's the newest Olympian. And when and he also did a, like a Potter, a, a Harry Potter thing. And he was he was an engineer before he started doing podcasting. And he likes to know the rules of the magic system, which I agree with. I'm here for it. I, but also to a point of. They just don't give any reason as to what happens. If they'd said it was magic, if they'd said it was time travel, like, are we living in a world that's like ours where, Mm -hmm. like, this time travel shouldn't be possible? Are we living, but we're, no, we're living in a world where time travel is possible. Why is it possible? What's allowing this to happen? Is it, I was going to expect it to be more science fiction-y because Mm -hmm. there's so many science fiction stories that play back to Groundhog Day. Like I mentioned before, The Flash, Mm -hmm. a bunch of science fiction-y play into this time travel this aspect mm-hmm. i expected rules that explain what it is that does it is it the universe giving him a shot until he's grown that's fine but i need more evidence to show me that's what it is even if they mm-hmm. don't say it like i just need something that would have made me like it a lot more who else does time loop stuff 
Doctor Who. Doctor Who. <laughs> that second point you had about what if he had missed the kid in the tree? Would he still gotten out? That is a very interesting question. I have never thought about that once. Like, is it the intention or the action or both? Because if the action happens on accident and it doesn't count, I would think that would make sense. But if the intention is there and let's say one time he just is too slow or he drops the kid after trying to catch him because he wasn't expecting how that would feel, Mm -hmm. which I imagine the first time he tries to catch the kid, he probably does drop him because it's a falling body. Yeah. And if you're not ready for the weight, you know what I'm saying? Probably was intention and action to qualify. And to a similar point, I guess it plays into the role of Phil's character. If he hadn't have gotten out, he was expecting to go back in the loop again. Was he just yes. going to be set to live that same perfect day over and over again? And then if so, he would have just been in that same boat of at some point he would have re- like we've already seen he become dejected before once he realized there's nothing he can do to get out. So had it gone as he was expecting all those changes he had done for these people yeah would have been nothing because it would just reset again so if yeah. he hadn't have gotten out at what point would he have gotten out that is just yes and there comes a point in time where yes being selfless is good we're always taught that i like that like i don't want to say it's a bad thing if you are a selfless person bully for you great i'm happy for you i love that you love that i love that you're willing to do that but there's going to come a moment where you need to do something for yourself and there's going to come a day where phil may have done this for a full year and been like i'm tired i want to stay home today so then everybody's day could have been awful again and what if that to your point was the day that moved forward you know what i'm saying like what if that was the day that he broke out of the loop, he would not have had the impact he had on everybody and would not have gotten quote unquote Rita. Mm-hmm. So I understand why not defining what got him out for you is upsetting, especially when you're asking that question of like what's breaking the loop, intention or action or both, and then what qualifies. And like, I agree that he doesn't show a lot of character development. We see character development. But it doesn't feel real, I think, is what it, it is. Feels like an act. I, it feels like an act that he's doing yes. just to, like, get through the day or something for Rita. Like, it doesn't... No. Yes. And I know it's not for Rita. I understood that it was just like he was just doing it. But yes, it felt like an act. It felt like he was like, I have nothing better to do. That's what it felt like. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like he genuinely wanted to do something nice for these people. The only person that I was like, he cares, was the old homeless man. Because he kept calling him dad and pop and like using nicknames. And I don't know, man. I just, I agree. For me, this movie is something I grew up watching as a kid, right? And I, when I think of this movie, there is one scene that I remember the most. Do you, can you guess which one it is? Is it the driving off the cliff? Yes. Every time I think of this movie, I think of the scenes of him committing suicide. And I remember watching this. I don't know how old I was, but I was a child. I remember watching this. I remember liking it. I remember thinking it was a good movie and then moving on with my life. But those are the scenes that stuck out with me the most because I remember thinking like that would be interesting. Like you can't die. And you just have to keep waking up and reliving the same day over and over again. And I was too young 
to begin to understand the concept of like the mental illness that comes with that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And like what drove him to the point of wanting to kill himself. I was too young for that, but I was old enough to understand the concept of the movie. I think that says a lot about the storyline of the movie, to be honest with you. The fact that as a child, I watched it and thought it was good. It's the same concept of Avalon High, right? As a child, you watched it and thought the storyline was good. On a deeper level, the the meanings of this movie, like you said, this has sparked a very long conversation. The storyline, all in all, to get us through this entire movie, was probably a 15, 20-minute like, thing. Like, it probably didn't take that long for me to tell you what happened in the movie. Most of this discussion has been us talking about the concepts, the message, the morals, the themes of the movie. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It hasn't been about what happens in the movie. And that is, I think, why people like it so much. Yeah. And I think it is so simple. And that's another reason people like it. Because think about it, Drew. You and I, okay, I'm going to announce this to the world. You and I are nerds. We are geeks. <laughs> I don't think it's much of an announcement, really, to be honest. You're not talking about anything they don't already know. No, they had no idea. They thought I was cool. I don't know about you. They thought you were probably lame, but they thought I was cool. <laughs> so you and I like sci-fi. You and I like all these different things that can happen with space, time travel, all that kind of stuff. Hence our love of Doctor Who. We're watching Vampire Diaries. We talked about Flash, that kind of stuff. Not everybody likes that. They made this movie so that everybody could like it. It's not like, I hate this movie. I remember liking it as a kid. Like I said, I thought it was good as a kid. And I know if I called my mom and asked her, she'd probably say it was a good to slash okay movie. And it has a great review on Rotten Tomatoes. And it is a cult following slash just a classic. People like this, this movie, right? Mm-hmm. I think... They did that intentionally because it broadens the audience when it's not sci-fi. Geeks and nerds are not the only ones who are going to watch this if it's just open like that. And the everyday person who is turned off by sci-fi, which nowadays sci-fi is becoming more mainstream, I think. Mm -hmm. But I'd have to ask my mom because I wasn't alive in 1993. But when I think of like pre 2000s sci fi that was mainstream, I think it's Star Wars and that's it. Mm, Back to the Future and stuff, though, too. Like, okay, those are Back to classics. the Future, Back to the Future, Terminator, and Star Wars. You have a bunch Terminator. of sci fi stuff from around that top of the corner. <laughs> All right. But the one that looms, the big one, Star Wars. Mm. When I think of post 2000s, the ones that are large i think of star wars again and i think of like marvel and those are huge like normal everyday people are very big into marvel right Mm -hmm. not just geeks and nerds now so i don't know in 1993 what it would have been like for someone to like star wars or superheroes and stuff like that but in the general concept of like when you think about like who is not cool and who's cool, people who like sci-fi stuff and nerdy people are generally not cool. Therefore, they have a more niche set of things they like. I think they were just trying to broaden their audience so that anybody and everybody could watch this and anybody and everybody could potentially like it. That's just the theory I have. 
as to why they didn't define parameters around this. It also mm -hmm. could have just been the author like of the script just didn't want to or didn't think it was necessary. Well, and I think, yes. And it goes to the audience that they're trying to capture as well. Because I think a something that if they had done that may have solved a lot of the issues I had with it was making it animated, mm -hmm. which wouldn't, wouldn't have been their, like, their because like an adult probably wouldn't go see it but a lot of the yeah. antics that he gets up to when he's driving off the cliff all of that it could play well into an animated scene and mm -hmm. like breaking putting it in an animated world breaks that expectation of it being in our world and having to justify why it's not you're already going into the expectation that it's the cartoony logic is possible so mm -hmm. i feel like that would be a good way to get the same message but mm -hmm breaking that initial expectation of having to explain why it is the way it is. That leads us next a good point right there. It leads us next into how it holds up today and if it would be remade, right? I don't think it holds up very well. I think that's a personal opinion. I don't think that's a group opinion. I think as a whole, people will always think about this movie and think about how it's iconic, about like the references, like you've mentioned, and all the other things that we've watched that talk about time loops or Groundhog Day, et cetera. It will always be something that's relevant, but I don't think the movie is nearly as good as I thought it was when I initially watched it. I don't think it holds up. I also don't think it should be remade. I don't think that's the answer either. Because sometimes when something doesn't hold up, it's because of effects or whatever. Like, it's not that. It's just genuinely the storyline for me was not strong enough for it to hold up and keep my attention. I thought it was rather boring. And I think that could just be maybe I have a shorter attention span because of all the TikTok I watch. Who knows? <laughs> but I just don't think that it holds up nearly as well. And I don't think it's because it needs to be remade. If it was remade, though, I agree. It honestly wasn't very funny for me. And it's supposed to be a comedy. The funniest sort of scenes. And I didn't laugh out loud. It was just funny. Was, again, when he was trying to kill himself. And I honestly think those could be a lot funnier, to your point, if they were a cartoon. Mm -hmm. And I don't think any other part of this was very funny. Maybe when Rita was slapping him over and over again every night, that was funny. Not enough to laugh, but it was funny. Yeah. And then there was another scene with Rita where he was trying to recreate the perfect day and he's like rushing it with like when they're in the snow and they have like the snowball fight with the kids and everything yeah. and it gets really weird and awkward like mm -hmm. that could have been funny but again I don't think it was very funny and maybe if it was a cartoon maybe it would have been and then I agree with your sentiment like I don't think making it like I, like I already said if they remade it today I think animation would fix a lot of the issues I have with it and though it may not be hit their target audience it would explain away a lot of the expectations you may have of it but I do think that the storyline or the concept of it is remade in all the ways that like we already stated before all these projects and things reference it in the past the when they reference the time loop and all that like that is redone and they've redone it like, I don't have any issue when it happens in anything else like uh, because there is Again, there is a reason why they're able to break out of whatever loop someone finds themselves in. 
And that might be why I'm expecting a reason here, because when they've redone mm. it so many times, there's always been something that the hero or the main character does that allows them to break and break out of it. So maybe that's why yeah. I had this expectation. If I was seeing it for the first time without, like, as a genuine new concept, I may not have had that much of an issue with it. But I do think that the modern world takes on it are better done and that might be it might not be like remaking the movie but they are successfully remaking the concept in a way that hmm. i appreciate more well, that's a good point that's a very good point i think you're onto something there happens every now and then <laughs> drew i want to take us on to my favorite new segment of our podcast we have a couple categories we're trying to answer nowadays mm. and my favorite newest category hot old men oh god I'm going to define a hot old man from every movie, show, whatever that we watch from now on. I know most of the time it's Pooja Man Crush from the movie, and I'm like, eh, there's nobody half the time. I'm going to have to define somebody now from now on. Drew, if you would like to join in. Uh, I have a guess as to who you say it's going to be. <laughs> that might be my portion of this. I think you're going to be wrong. I think you're absolutely dead wrong. And if you ever want like to contribute. I hope I'm wrong. I <laughs> hope I'm wrong. If you would ever like to contribute to the hot old man, you are more than welcome to. Thank you. Ev yes. Every guest, because we are going to start bringing guests on this season, every guest is always welcome to contribute to the hot old man category as well. I'm sure they will be thrilled to hear that. And if anybody would like to ever call in and just let me know, you're hot old man. I, I love to talk about hot old men. We can do it all day. <laughs> You just have a whole podcast. It's like Hot Old Men by Corey Severance. I'm sure the views would be out the roof, Corey. I'm sure they would. <laughs> All right, Drew. So tell me, who do you think? Please my... tell me it is not the old man. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, thank God. Why would it be the dead old man? I don't know, but I was like, I was hoping I was wrong. Who is it, Cora? Who's the hot old man in the movie? Okay, he's old now, so I want to say that. Don't you movie, dare say. In Go the movie, ahead. he wasn't that old, actually. Uh huh. Who do you think it is now? Bill Murray. No. Oh, thank God. Okay. Oh, strike two for no. two. Go on. <laughs> if we ever watch Ghostbusters, Bill Murray is okay in Ghostbusters. Like the character himself in Ghostbusters is arguably somewhat attractive, but every other time I've ever seen Bill Murray, not really. Also, Bill Murray's Wikipedia page gave me the ick, so I don't think I'll ever pick Bill Murray again. <laughs> I do want to tell you, before I tell you who it is, that I struggled with who to pick. Oh, my God. In a good way because or a bad I, way? In a, like, a good way, because I was like, no one, really, but I was like, I have to pick it. This is our new category, so... <laughs> I did find someone that I was like, yeah, he's attractive. If he came up to me on the street, I might go out with him. That's like Plus my new funny standard. Bill, isn't it? No. No. <laughs> no. It is my new standard, by the way. I listened to a TikTok. Fascinating concept when you really think about it. She has a point. She talked about how when somebody's a celebrity that has a huge impact on how attractive you think they are, just purely because they are a celebrity. And if that person came up to you on the street, you would probably be scared of them. Or if they mm. tried to talk to you, you'd be freaked out. And honest, I honestly could, I hate to say it, <laughs> I really do, but I can, I think that if Peter Capaldi was an everyday man and he came up to me, I would be scared. <laughs> 
I think it's because Peter Capaldi is famous that I'm like obsessed with him. You know what I'm saying? Maybe if I got to know him a little bit, then I would oh, be less scared of him. But anyway, trying to look at all of these people, like if they came up to me on the street, would I be potentially interested? The only one that I was like, yeah, I could see it. There's a small scene while Phil is in the time loop trying to figure out his life where he goes to a therapist. Do you mm. remember? Mm-hmm. Therapist. His name is David Peskesi. I might be saying his name wrong. He is now currently 63 years old. He does look good with gray hair. I'll tell you that. He looks pretty damn good. But I didn't like the long hair he had as a therapist. So just Google him. His other photos, much more attractive. Also, he's 6'3". We love that. Oh, my God. So there's my hot old man because he is currently 63 years old. So he's therefore now an old man. At the time of the movie, he wasn't that old. Hold on. I'm looking him up. Sorry. You, I was going to say, are you looking at pictures of him? I'm working up. Oh, Corey. <laughs> movie Drew, you really think he's the worst pick? At least I didn't say Larry. I thought that's who you were going to be. It's going to oh. say it's Larry. No, Larry's. I'm sorry, honey, but no. <laughs> you remember when he went on the stage to be auctioned off and everybody was like, ick. Yeah, that's how I feel. I am not interested. I'm sure Poor he's a Larry. very nice man, but I don't think you, Larry. I will take the therapist. Also, if he's a therapist, he's probably making good money. We could be a good couple. <laughs> I could live in. Uh, no, I couldn't. I was going to say, I could live in places with you, but I could not. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my pick. Do you have anyone you would like to contribute as an attractive hot I gave you all of my people that I could even think you could think of. <laughs> I, I got to say, were, the therapist was not on my radar. I think you were hoping for the homeless man. I really do think you were. Let's be honest. The true man crush of this movie is Toxic Phil. Phil. <laughs> Look at the way he drives that car. I <laughs> he did drive pretty well. <laughs> Look at those studs. The most famous quote from this movie, I actually had a hard time finding it. And there's not like an official most famous quote, but yeah. there is one that Wikipedia did define. So we can use that, right? It's a good source. <laughs> Sources, Incredible. trust me. Trust me, bro. Mm. <laughs> It's the line that Phil says, I'll give you a winter prediction. It's going to be cold. It's going to be gray. And it's going to last you for the rest of your life. There's a couple other quotes that I liked during this movie. I've said them pretty much, especially the God quotes and stuff, because it's thought provoking, right? But there is one that is, if I didn't already say it, something about, is there going to be tomorrow? Because today there wasn't one. I think that's also very thought-provoking and interesting. I like that. The last category that we can answer that I should have probably done earlier in the film was, has Corey been there? Slash, has Drew been there? Because I was listening to some of our older podcasts and I was noticing that every time I've been somewhere, I'm like, I have been there and I'll have you know. (laughs) Have I been to Puxatawney, Pennsylvania? No. Have I been to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? Yes. Have I been to Pennsylvania, period? Yes, I drove across the entire state from end to end, from west to east. 
is that an accurate description or portrayal of Puxitani? I don't know. I've never been there. Pennsylvania did have a lot of forests and hills and mountains and shit. So it could potentially look a bit more hilly than that, but it also could look like that. Who's to say? Drew, have you ever been to Pennsylvania? I don't think so. I might have driven through it on the way to Delaware, but I do not recall at the moment. But if I did, it did not leave a rustic impact in my brain. I would like to go. Pennsylvania mm. was always my um, favorite, like, New Englandy state growing up. Learned, I, I had no particular reason. I was I really going to say, no why? Idea. I do, could not tell you. Philadelphia, actually. I did a project on the Liberty Bell. Mm. I've been there. Once. <laughs> I saw it in person. I have not, but that might be the only, that might be the only thing I can think of off the top of my head, but yeah, no, have not, cannot relate. Also, I've not been to, what, where did they film it in Illinois? Oh, Woodstock, Illinois. I have Woodstock. not been there either. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that is. I mapped it because maybe at some point this year we'll go core and we'll oh. take pictures at the place. Recreate um, Groundhog Day. It's north, <laughs> seems to be north slash northwest of Chicago a little bit. So Okay. All right. Okay. Here's the question then. If we are recreating Groundhog Day, who are we playing? If we are recreating Groundhog Day? Yeah. Which characters are we playing? I think you can be Phil. <laughs> oh, I don't want to be Phil. You be Phil. <laughs> I don't want to be Phil. Exactly. Nobody wants to be Phil. I'll be Rita. I'll slap you a sir. couple times. No! <laughs> oh, sir. You could be Larry. That's it. If I have to be Phil, you're Larry. If you're Phil, I'm Puxertani Phil. <laughs> you're going to sit in my lap and drive my car. <laughs> yes. You're going to see my shadow and call it, oh. say you're wrong. <laughs> About the weather. Yes. It would be quite interesting to spend a Groundhog Day in Woodstock, Illinois, I will say. It would be quite interesting to see. I wonder how many people go do that. I told you that the inn said they were booked all the way through Groundhog Day. So like, yeah. it's definitely something people do. I just wonder how many people are into it. You know what I'm saying? And oh, to call back to one of our other episodes, the town they filmed Halloween Town in, they have a Halloween Town festival every year at Halloween where they have the big pumpkin. Really? Mm-hmm. Boy, when you... we watch all of them, you'll we'll go. I already knew that, yeah. But they had a big, like, big celebration where, like, the stars came back and, uh-huh. like, did it this past year whenever you see all the movies court we'll go <laughs> well did you know that forks in washington state also celebrates twilight like they have a bunch of twilight shit everywhere so I when we watch tw- when we watch twilight we can go to forks i prefer to go to spoons but that's just me i guess <laughs> so my overall rating for this movie i'm gonna be generous because i do have some slight nostalgia for it which my nostalgia or my nostalgia meter is like a one out of ten but I'll give it a 5 out of 10. What do you give it, Drew? As my overall or my nostalgia meter? Both. Overall, 3. Mm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I'll be a little generous. I can't give it a 1 but because it did give good discussion. 3 or 4 because it set up a lot of good plot lines in mo- the modern world, as I keep saying. So 3 or 4. I wouldn't let it cross 5. Nostalgia meter... Even lower, probably like two, if only because as soon as I saw it, I recognized Bill Murray from Osmosis Jones. No other time. Your nostalgia meter is still higher than mine. Mine was a one. Oh, let me knock it down then again. <laughs> Point five. Let me take it down. 
Yeah, because there's little to nothing nostalgic about this for me. Little to nothing. It reminded me of Osmosis Jones just because of Bill, and it reminded me of Back to the Future just because of the vibes. But, yeah. Point five. Little to nothing for me. It's like that TikTok sound. It was so bad. I want to give it a zero. But that's not possible. So I give it a one. (laughs) (laughs) Give it a point five. You know what I'm talking about? No. There's a oh, you never know my TikTok sounds, never know them. But that's fine, Corb, because you know what the big question on everyone's lips is? On their chap lips. On their chap lips. Do you think the groundhog's gonna see a shadow this year? Puxatani, Phil. That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers. It's Groundhog, groundhog Day. Day. And, and that's, that's your, your Friday, Friday Night Rewind. Friday. <laughs>